Hello, this is former Fox Sports Wisconsin anchor and proud fellow Wauwatosan Jeff Grayson. From my position high in the booth, it appears conditions are good for this much-anticipated matchup. Let's go down to the studio. The action is about to start. It's season four of the Bait and Switch podcast. Welcome back to the Bait and Switch podcast. My name is Chris Beyer, as always, with my co-host, Jim Martin. Hello, everybody. Tonight, we're going to be talking a little bit about motivation and, and relationships and you know, maximizing your life, things like that. And language is a big thing. I've got a, um, a cousin who married a Japanese girl. Oh, okay. And uh, her English is good and his Japanese is very limited. Mm-hmm. And I asked him about uh, learning Japanese. And he said, the interesting thing about Japanese is that the verb is at the end of the sentence. Okay. Mm-hmm. So he said, every sentence is just very dramatic. Yeah. Because you never know what's going to happen, right? <laughs> it's like there's a man and there's knives and there's a woman. And then he gave it to her as a present or something. I think women generally are better than men at language. I think this is one of these things in terms of developmentally and whatnot, that girl children talk quicker than boys and things like that. You think so? Yeah. I, think I don't so. know. This is, you know, I talk, I talk you, a lot. You don't read the I research? <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Theo was talking at, at like one and a half. He was saying full sentences. And I didn't think anything of it. And, then he went to daycare and they were like, he just like told me he had a dirty diaper, like in a full sentence. He's like a year and a half with an English accent. Right, right, right. Pardon me, dear. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. well, tonight's guest is Alita Norris. Now, Alita Norris, we got Alita on a show through her husband, Steve Palak, who's been on our show a couple of times. Uh, she's involved with motivation. She's involved with coaching. She's got a company called Living as a Leader. She's got a website, alitanorris.com. She's got a couple books out. We'll talk about those. I'd like to welcome Alita Norris to our show. Welcome, Alita. Hey, Chris. Thank you. Hey, Jim. Hello, hello Alita. Welcome. Glad to be here. So the first thing I want to say real quick is I told my wife who you were, what you did, and everything. And I said, yeah, she's going to be our guest. And she said, that's not your audience. <laughs> I said, now, wait a minute. The Bait and Switch podcast, we are very versatile. We can have women on the show. We can have men who talk about fast food and women who talk about feelings and motivation. We can do it all. So I think we'll be okay. She didn't have a lot of confidence in me. I don't know. So welcome, Alita. Alita Norris, is that a pen name or did you just not take Palak as your last oh name? Oh my gosh. Well, this is part of a long story, which I'll make very short. So my marriage to Steve, which is my best marriage ever, Mm-hmm. is my third marriage. And okay. Norris is the name that I took during my second marriage. And by the time I met Steve, I was pretty well established as a leader Norris. Okay. And Steve's very, you know, obviously Steve Palak is very well established. And when we made the decision to get married, I had my brand, he had his brand. Mm-hmm. And quite frankly, I did not want to infringe on his brand. Oh, And to walk alongside him as a Palak, mm-hmm. that felt really competitive isn't the right word because it's not as if we're competing. I could not step into that. I just couldn't step into the shoes. It's a big brand. So we decided yeah. to just stay who we are. Okay, cool. 
we don't talk about our personal lives too much, but I'm divorced. And I always figured just for simplicity's sake, if I ever got married again, I would not only want my new wife to take my last name, but I thought she could take my first name as well. What do you think about that, Jim? Good idea or not? I think it's a great idea. Yeah, I think I'll insist on it. She balks and that's a sign it wasn't meant to be. Right. See if that flies, yeah. Right. Alita, you're you're not you're buying this. You're not buying it. <laughs> Boy, I sure would not buy that at all. Let's just say you guys have it a lot easier than us when we step into that world of you know marriages ending, which by the way none of us want. Right. But you guys get to carry your name with you your entire life, and we don't nec- we don't necessarily. Some women do, and some women don't. It's tricky. It's exhausting. It's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. to change a name right yeah. for sure yeah, I, again my divorce i i don't know if i ever told you this jim but one of the things that i knew that my divorce was kind of imminent i maybe i wasn't picking up on these signs i was at the doctor's office with my ex-wife and she handed her our insurance card and uh the insurance person turned to my ex you know my then wife and said what's your relationship to the insured and she said strained <laughs> That might have been a sign. <laughs> so, oh my gosh. I should have picked up on that. It, yeah, maybe. It's it like, it kind of subtle. Alita's on her third. It's her third and it's the best. They all say third time's a charm, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're older, you're wiser. You know, the one thing, sure. The one thing I want to I really uh, commend you on here, uh, Alita, is this new book, The Women Who Spark After 50. And I want to talk about this. But you're not a procrastinator. You're doing this book 10 years in advance of your 50th birthday. Chris, thank you. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, thank you very much. (laughs) All right, I buttered up my guest enough here. So let's dive into the books. The first one, Women Who Spark. Let's Mm -hmm. talk about the first book first. So what was that one? All right. So Women Who Spark, I, I started writing this book in 2018, but I made the decision to write the book in 2006. And it was on the heels of my being in my messy middle of life, my desert. A lot of women cross a desert during their life. It may be a tough few years. It may be a tough decade. So for me, my difficult season of life was two back-to-back divorces in a span of seven years. Not what I expected. And in 2003, which was the year of my second divorce, I was a single mom of three adolescent children working a full-time job, running a company, trying to keep everything afloat. And it was really messy. So I decided in 2006, three years later, that one day I would write a book. So as I kind of climbed my way through that difficult season of life, I would journal it. I would keep notes along the way, kind of figure out how I got my spark back. And then I would write a book and begin to help other women. So in 2018, 12 years later, I finally wrote the book. And the book was, in fact, targeted for women who are in the messy middle. I thought kind of an age range of 35 to 55 when there's a lot going on. We're raising kids. We're working. We're dealing with disappointments in life, things that didn't go quite as we expected. So I wrote that book, launched an online platform I ended up attracting women who were actually older than that age range, which then led to the second book. And I had started building this online community. So I have a Facebook community called Women Who Spark. 
It's the Women Who Spark Tribe. There's about 3,200 women in that community. Great. And when I launched that, the women who started coming into it and started buying some of the courses that I was creating online, the message they were giving me was, you know, I'm kind of coming out of the messy middle. I've raised my kids. I've been in the same corporate job or the same job for two or three decades. I'm kind of tired of that. I'm kind of bored with my life. I'm restless and I don't really know where to go next. And so I had this idea that women need help to reignite and reinvent themselves for the second half of their life. And so I, I, let's say I launched the first book in October of 2019, and I started writing my second book, April of 2020, and published that in December of 2020. That was my COVID book. I, I had a kind of a slowdown in business. Our company had a slowdown in business. And so I just, I cranked out another book. Oh, that's which, fantastic. So this, that's brand new. Congratulations. Yeah, brand new. Thank you. Very nice. Let's uh, talk about some of the, uh, they got the main title and then what do they call the extra part? Uh, subtitle. As, subtitles. Subtitle, subtitles. First one, it says 12 steps to catapult happiness. Apparently you've got an engineering background. Cultivate confidence and discover the purpose of your life. Happiness, mm -hmm. confidence, purpose. What are the things that you've discovered that women need to concentrate to achieve those things? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, and by the way, that that really is my definition of what it means to have a spark. And you've heard the phrase, oh, she's lost her spark, or I've just, I've lost my spark. Mm -hmm. So to have a spark means that when I wake up, I'm happy. I'm a happy person. I'm a confident person. I'm confident in what I'm doing and in who I am. And I have a purpose in my life that's greater than myself. So that really is kind of the, the culmination of, of what it means to, to have that spark. Happiness, by the way, is a choice. Even if life feels difficult on a given day or a given year, if we pause, we can find happiness in our ordinary day. And happiness, by the way, doesn't have to be belly laughter. It doesn't have to be, oh my God, I had such a ball. We were just cracking up. It can be, I'm content. I have a, a happiness about me that I have enough in my life. So it might be your early morning cup of coffee. It might be taking a walk with your dog in the fresh air. Um, it might be sitting on the couch in front of the fireplace, reading a good book. Like those things make me happy. Being on a phone call with someone, I can be happy. So a key part of what I do is I, is I help women think about how they can make happiness a choice. Something that was glaringly apparent this past year with COVID going on, because everything seemed to be doom and gloom. We in our house noticed that it took effort to really, okay, wait, what are we going to, what are we focused on here? What, there are still good things going on in our life. And instead right. of being just doom and gloom, we tried our best to make the choice of let's focus on the good things and focus on being as happy as we can during this thing that's going on. Yeah, absolutely. I have a phrase that I call manufacturing happiness, right? If I'm in a moment where I'm feeling kind of blue or I'm feeling kind of sad, we could manufacture happiness in that moment, mm -hmm. right? Okay, yep. what can I do right now that I could feel happy about? Again, even if it's not, boy, I'm having such a, such a blast, right? It's, it's, yeah, this is good. I'm content when I'm doing this certain thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. If you're going to be manufacturing things at your house, are you zoned for that? 
Right. Maybe, yeah. maybe you should check with the local leaders on that. Cultivating confidence. There's that phrase that people say, fake it to make it. Are you somebody that ascribes to something like that? Well, maybe not so much because I'm really more about roll up your sleeves and what are you going to do about it? That doesn't right? rhyme. It, you're right. It doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> okay. There's just I thought no, I'd point that out. There's no rhyming. So We got to come up with some fake it to make it sleeves to believe. How about that? Roll up your sleeves and believe. There you go. Fake believe. Yeah. Can I get like some type of uh, note in your next book that I, when sure. you put that in your third book that yeah. I can sleeves to believe rolled? Okay. Yes. Let, let me write that down. Right. In the journal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. I had yeah. to get that out. So, and then the last one is the develop the purpose. Now, obviously in this messy middle that you talk about, there might've been maybe a purpose for that first third or that first half of your life. And once that kind of transitions, people might feel lost. Women might feel lost and they might have to develop a new purpose. Yes. And there are so many people walking the earth who they've not connected with something that they're really on fire about. You know, I hear a lot of people say, you know, I've got a busy life. I have a wonderful family. I've got a job, but I something's missing, right? Because we've not found a way to connect with something that's kind of bigger than ourselves. I think when we live in kind of the four walls of our life, it's that checklist. It's me and myself. It's my family. It's my job. Just all of my activities. We have to get beyond that. All of us in some way need to make a difference for other people in the world. Even if it's only one person, we can make a difference in the life of one person and and we're serving a purpose greater than ourselves. It just so happened that because my life was not idyllic and because I found myself in this really difficult season that I said to myself, I'm going to do something with this. And I, because I'm kind of scrappy and I figure stuff out and I'm more of a survivor than a victim I'm going to take it and I'm going to help someone else. And so one of the phrases I've heard recently is we can, we can turn our mess into our message. And I like that. And certainly a lot of people do that. They take whatever their life adversity has been, and then they become a crusader for that adversity to help other people. And I, I happen to like that. And I Mm -hmm. want people to be on fire. I want Again, I serve women. I want women to wake up and be on fire for their life. And I get to play a small part in helping some women connect with that. So that's my purpose that I stumbled upon. It was accidental. Would you say that seems to me like maybe, maybe the most, one of certainly one of the most important things to getting your spark back is realizing that you need to serve something bigger than yourself. Would you say that's, that's the biggest message or? Just well, I think I think it's a real yes, I think it is a really big message, Jim. And in fact, when I was, when I so if I go back to 2003 and 2004 in particular, I was really struggling. And one of my friends said to me, he said, "Alita, you are not unhappy because of what you're not getting. You are unhappy because of what you're not giving." Hmm. At the time, I was like, who, well, excuse me, but who <laughs> do you are think you going to lay that on me? <laughs> right. Like, I'm struggling right now. But it's true. And I think that there's something beautiful. And I wish, oh, I wish I could um, quote the classic author who wrote this. Um, maybe it was Thoreau. I, and and I, I just wish I knew. 
but he said there's, you know, the, the greatest joy in life is being fully used up when you die. And I'm completely paraphrasing this poignant paragraph that he had in his book, but it was, that's the joy. The greatest joy in life is being fully used up. Mm-hmm. And that's in service, right? That's not right. in us living a, an indulgent life. Right, right, right. I drank yes. so much, I was completely used up. <laughs> right, exactly, yeah. You know, sometimes you run into somebody that has that attitude much more than you might have yourself. I knew somebody in my field that had their daughter was murdered. This girl had a tap on her bedroom window. She was a high school student at the time, and she was, you know, the light of everybody's life. She was their only child, and she got a tap on the window, and it was from a either admirer or somebody she had dated or something, some guy from high school, uh, and she let the guy in her room, and they talked, and then he killed her Wow! in her room. Jeez. The oh. parents woke up to find their daughter murdered in her room. And I hadn't run into this individual for a year or so. Then I ran into him at some meeting and I didn't know him well, but I knew the story. It had been in the newspaper. And so I approached him kind of sheepishly because I you know, didn't want to bring it up, but I knew I kind of had to. And I brought it up and this guy and his wife had dedicated themselves towards dealing with Uh, abusive relationships among young people about uh, dealing with rape and things like that for challenges for young women. He had such a purpose and Mm -hmm. such a focus in his life that he achieved by, you know, this tragedy that happened. And I just left in awe of this individual Mm -hmm. because I expected to encounter somebody that would be in the lowest of low places, you know, a year or two after this would happen, because I can imagine most people would be. And he was so positive. I I got teared up when I saw such a positive thing from this guy. It's even difficult to talk about now because uh, I I was just so impressed with what he had done with his tragedy. Sure. Yeah. I think the key is trying to find that in ourselves without the tragedy. You know, I mean, like that's the tough thing to do. But, you know, so so Alita, you we talked about the books. You've got your your website, alitanorris.com. What would people expect when they go to that website. So if they go there, they'll learn about how could I be inspired to reignite or reinvent my life? And how can I, Alita, help you do that? What are some resources that I have available? If you're a woman who would like to have a brighter spark in life. And so there's lots of pages on the website. There's pages about my book. There's pages about my courses. Um, There's pages about the community of women. Um, There are assessments and surveys. And it's kind of an interactive site that gives women an opportunity to do some self-assessment and self-exploration. There's some free things that they can download. There's blogs they can read. It draws someone in if this is the kind of message that they're looking for. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to ask you a little bit of a question about kind of the business side of it. You've had this Living as a Leader website for 25 years, did you say? A yeah. long time, right? Yep, so, so you've been doing this kind of work for a while to a certain extent, the training and, and coaching and that type of thing. At some point, did you have any of this, what they call imposter syndrome? 
you know, where like, how, how do I know to, how to tell other people what to do? And if you did, how did you deal with that? And if you didn't, mm, why not? What's wrong with you? Yeah, right. All right. Yeah, it's really interesting you would ask that question because I'm more in tune with imposter syndrome now than I ever have been. So, so living as a leader, so that's a company I co-own, by the way, with another woman, and we've got 15 employees and we do leadership training and coaching across the country. We've done some international work as well over the years. You know how when we're younger, when we're in our 20s and 30s, we just think we can figure anything out, right? Mm-hmm. We have a lot of moxie and oh, yeah. a lot of chutzpah. So when I started this company, I had a lot of confidence about the kind of the movement into that space in my career and have carried that along with me, right? Like that's my expertise. I've studied leadership for 25 years and I've worked with many, many, many people. And we have a very talented team. I've been comfortable in that space. Mm -hmm. But let me tell you, holy smokes, entering into an online business, writing books actually was the easiest part of all of this. But to start to venture into an online business with online courses and social media platforms and trying to figure out video and building an audience and list building and so many things to figure out, that's where the imposter syndrome is. Hmm. I have looked at so many influencers in the online business space who are Mm -hmm. just killing it. Yeah. And so, yes, Jim, on a regular basis, I ask myself, what am I even doing here? Who mm-hmm. do I think I am to think that I'm going to pull this off? It is a lot of work. Yeah. Is there anything that you do when you start feeling this imposter syndrome that kind of snaps yourself out of this? Yes. Yes. And this is going to go back to the question Chris asked me about confidence where, Mm -hmm. you know, he said, are you kind of a fake it or make it? And my answer was no, Mm -hmm. I am about just take the next step. Just take the next step. And then the next day, wake up and take the next step. One of my favorite new books is called Atomic Habits by James Clear. And James Clear talks about doing 1% every single day, 1% every day, day after day, after day, after day. And I'm all about that. Mm -hmm. If I wake up and figure out or do one thing every single day, if I'm dealing with imposter syndrome today, or I'm lacking confidence about this space I'm in, as long as I keep doing one thing every day, three months from now, I'll be more confident. And three months from now that, you know, that phase of imposter syndrome is going to dissipate until it hits me again. And if we're not feeling that we're not growing, and I I really believe that if we're too comfortable, we're not doing enough, right? Unless we simply want to live a very comfortable, relaxing life. And there's nothing wrong with that. If that's what somebody wants to do. Mm -hmm. Probably getting on this podcast will help overcome that imposter syndrome because you've made it to the big time now. Right. I think it already has. I can't believe I got the invitation to be here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And you might, you know, after this, after this performance, you might get an invitation back. Yeah. Well, you know what? One thing I just kind of want to kind of wrap things up with here is a lot of people, a lot of women, there's that desire to compare yourself with other people. 
right? And see how you're doing in your life based upon what other people's doing. Of course, that's a trap. For example, celebrities, people look towards celebrities and think they've got the perfect life and they've got everything going on. I don't know if you've seen this in the news, but uh, Jennifer Lopez and Alex Rodriguez, they've called off their engagement. And the ironic thing is, as soon as I heard that news, my phone blew up. And I'm thinking, J-Lo, slow your roll. Don't come across so desperate. That's pretty brazen. Yeah. yeah. I think Yeah. yeah. I'm going to give it a couple days before I respond. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now this is going to be out there. A-Rod's going to hear it. And it's really going to be it. That's really right. going to be the end. This won't be out for a couple months. So that's, it's going to be over by then. And maybe I'll call it between now and then. There but anyway, I'd like to thank Alita Norris, author, coaching, uh, consultant, uh, she's got a couple books out there, Women Who Spark, and then Women Who Spark After 50, which is the more recent tome. She wrote it during the pandemic. Alita, I'd like to thank you for being on our show. Thanks for having me, Chris and Jim, both of you. It's been yeah, fun. Yeah, definitely. Thanks so much for coming on. And I really feel like I've hit about three of my 12 questions, so maybe there will be a second second interview. We'll see. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. All right. <laughs> Say hi to Steve for us. I will, as soon as we sign off. All right. <laughs> Thanks again. Thanks, Alita. You bet. Bye-bye. You bet. Bye-bye. Join us next time on the Bait and Switch podcast with our guest, actor and stand-up comic, Ethan Hershenfeld, when he talks about how important networking is in landing the big roles. Actually, when I was in Milwaukee, when I was uh, working there at the opera years ago, I did meet a guy who was uh, part of the German club at U- UM, University of Milwaukee. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, he was the German club guy. We played in the. I was playing ping pong on some evenings. Like they had a serious ping pong club up there, and one of the guys I met there was like head of the German club. Really? I tell you, Ethan, you're throwing around some big names here. You you got some connections. I don't mean to brag. <laughs> yeah. Well, no wonder you got this big time uh, showbiz career going here with all these connections. Holy cow! Yeah. You've made it to the end of yet another Bait and Switch podcast. Spread the word.